Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 128, and my guest is Jordan Hase. Jordan runs for the Nike Oregon Project, and she was a standout high school athlete. She ran for the Oregon Ducks, and now she's a marathoner. She has slowly moved up in distance over the years, and she debuted the marathon in 2017 at Boston with a time of 2.23, making that the fastest debut marathon by a U.S. woman ever by three minutes. The following season, the next fall, she placed third again in Chicago with a time of 2.20.57. Most of you probably know that Jordan was geared up to run Boston this year, and she had an injury that forced her to pull out right before the race, and so she's had to take some time off recently, but recently announced that she is going to be running Chicago this fall, so that's really exciting to have her back at the Chicago Marathon this year. I know that Jordan's chasing down the American record, and I know that she also has her sights set on the 2020 Olympic team in the marathon, so we talk about all those things in this podcast episode today. You guys can follow Jordan on social media if you aren't already doing so. And her handle is just Jordan Hase on Instagram and Twitter. You guys can find me on Instagram, lindsayhine626. And you can find me on Twitter at lindsayhine. We also have a Facebook page and group. If you want to get more connected with this community, make sure you join our Facebook group because that's where everybody's hanging out. Links to all of that will be in my show notes, lindsayhine.com. And when you head over to lindsayhine.com as well, on the right-hand side of my website that so badly needs redesigned, I'm working on that, by the way, uh, you can opt in to subscribe to my newsletter as well, where I do email out the show notes. All right, guys. Thanks so much, everybody who's left a rating and review on the show. I finally reached my goal, and I'm well over 1,000 reviews now. They're not all pretty, but most of them are. Um, I'm at 1,034. So... Um, I did one last big call to action last week and then um, did an Instagram ask and we reached the goal of a thousand ratings and reviews. So now I guess I have to find a new goal. So thank you guys so much. And if you haven't done so, I would really appreciate you hopping over there and helping out the show in that way. I just put out a brand new Patreon episode with returning guest Jessica Hofheimer. She was episode 75 on the show last summer. And we caught up over on Patreon. And then also the recent panel that I did with the 500 Festival Mini Marathon with Frank Shorter, Bill Rogers, Meb Kofleski, and Alexi Pappas. That panel that I did for the 500 Festival Mini Marathon is also over on my Patreon page as well. Lots of good talk in that episode. And I got to get some Boston-specific questions into Meb, so that was really fun. I'm also leaving my guests on for an extra five to 10 minutes or so each episode now to grab some bonus questions to provide for those who support over on Patreon. So if you're looking for more content from me or are interested in supporting the show in that way, you can find that at patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. All right, guys, let's go ahead and enjoy this conversation with Jordan Hase. We have Jordan Hase on the show today. Welcome, Jordan. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. This is really exciting. I reached out to you. When was that? It was probably like two months before Boston? Yeah, two months or maybe a month before. I can't remember. It's been a while. <laughs> I was sitting in the doctor's office when I got your email back that you'd come on and you said you had listened to to some episodes and that I was so honored that you had uh, listened during your stretching or, you know, commuting or whatever you were doing. Yeah, well, I'm honored to be on. It was neat. I was thinking, oh, I, I wonder if she she knows me or she'd ever ask me to be on. Oh and gosh. then I think we got that. I think my agent got the email um, like a week after that. So it was kind of funny timing. So, okay. You just announced recently that you're running Chicago. How excited are you about that? I'm very excited. I just, I had a really good experience last year and I'm just looking forward to being back. Uh, it was nice to decide pretty early just cause I wasn't able to run Boston. So it's nice to have, you, you know, to have a new goal. It's, it's nice to have that out there. Cause I could keep thinking about that kind of keep my motivation up as I was not running. Yeah. So 
I saw you doing strides before Boston. I don't know if you know that or not, but I was like <laughs> a lot of people did. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Glenn and I, my husband ran and we were walking down Boylston. Uh, he said, I think that's Jordan. And I kind of just said like, good luck tomorrow. And you were obviously Aww. in a state where you were kind of probably making a game time decision right about then. Yeah. So it was kind of, it was crazy because what happened was, you know, I was having some peroneal tendon issues and planner stuff. And I had to pull out of the world's half marathon championships, um, about two weeks or uh, three weeks before Boston. And, um, I took a, I took a couple days off and I started back running and then my foot was feeling great, which was really exciting. I was able to get in my last final hard workouts but then about 10 days before Boston, after I had done my last sort of longer run, I started to feel a sharp pain in the side of my foot. And we thought, oh, no, what's going on now? And um, we got an MRI and it was showing a slight stress reaction, just very small. I had three doctors look at it. One doctor said, I think it's an old stress reaction. One said, I don't think it is. Another said, yeah, I think you should you should probably call it a season. So, you know, MRIs can be kind of inconclusive, uh, but I was definitely having some pain. And um, so we decided, you know, you're 10 days out from the race, though. And it's it's it was maybe it was like a three out of 10 pain. Not too bad. So we thought, OK, we're just going to we're going to go for it. At this point, it looks very small, you know, not really career ending or anything. So I kept training up until Boston um but then we all just decided okay we're gonna get one more the day before the race just to make sure this hasn't progressed and um so I went to Mass Gen there in Boston and sure enough the fracture line was just so big and so obvious on the second MRI uh that we decided that yeah there's no way that I should I was going to race because uh, it would have maybe probably fractured all the way through wouldn't have made it through the race. And that was my one concern going into it was I, I don't want to have to DNF, you know, like yeah. go, go out and then it not make it through the race. And I had done, I did an 11 mile tempo week out to kind of test it. And I thought, uh, I, I don't think it would have made it 26 today. Um, so did the smart thing and, uh, just, it, it was really tough, obviously to have to do the whole buildup and be super fit and then have that happen. So last minute, but I'm so thankful that I just have such a supportive team around me and a great doctor, uh, who, you know, once we got the MRI and they all said, you're not running, of course, I'm still trying to figure out ways to, <laughs> to get in the race. Like, well, what if I start and it starts killing me and I just stop, <laughs> but in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, I'm not going to stop really. But, um, yeah, I, it was, it's cool. Cause I got a lot of messages from people after they're saying like, good job. Cause I, I know a lot of just average runners that go out and push through injuries. So that made me feel better because sometimes I don't necessarily make the smartest decisions. Uh, so it was a good kind of learning thing for me that, uh, I didn't make it worse and I only had to take a month off rather than a surgery and six months off, which about a week into my time off, I thought, thank God that I don't have to have a surgery or something. Cause just kills me not to run it's it's so hard for me to take that long of a break but it ended up working out and it's all healed up now we got another MRI that's looking it looked like the bone was healing really nicely so overall it it worked out really well did you take a full eight weeks off running no so I took four weeks off running and um yeah I had that post uh I I guess that was one of my first workouts back. So I took four weeks off and then I was two weeks on the Alter G and then uh, started to move to land. So I've been on land for about three weeks, but uh, the Alter G was a great tool just to kind of come back slow at a lower body weight and just make sure that uh, the pounding wasn't, wasn't hurting it and it wasn't too early, but we, we were just so cautious just going, okay, the first day one, half mile, <laughs> see how it is. Day two, half mile, day three, a mile, a mile. And, 
uh, this past week I, I hit 70 miles. So I'm, I'm ramping back up pretty quick now. Just, uh, the first, uh, they say like eight to 12 weeks. So we are still pretty cautious, you know, in that first, uh, four weeks of running, but, um, now I can, I'm pretty sure that it's the bone is healed. Now the issue is just, you don't want to injure another part of your body <laughs> by ramping up. Cause again, you're not really used to the pounding. It was funny. Cause when I was only running like a mile or two a day, I wasn't that tired. So I was feeling really good and springy. And then last week I hit, I hit 70 miles and it just kind of all hit me at once <laughs> and I was exhausted. So it's, it's very humbling to be doing yeah. workouts at the pace that I can run a, a marathon at, you know, for <laughs> one mile, <laughs> but you got to just, you got to take it day by day and it's about the small wins and, uh, that, that can also be exciting coming back is that you don't necessarily get that when you only take a two week break cause it comes back a little faster. So it's just about get, being excited about doing the the little things that you kind of once took for granted and just just kind of being thankful to be running, you know? Yeah, totally. Well, you so you already knew like with Boston that the weather was going to be awful, but seeing how it actually was, are you looking back? Are you like, oh, thank God? Or are you still like super bummed that you didn't get experience it? <laughs> I'm still kind of bummed, actually. I was talking to um, Addie, you know, Addie Nelson from Roll Recovery. Uh-huh. And we were like, man, I just wanted to, because I'm just intrigued to see how my body would have handled that. Because obviously a lot of runners DNF just because, uh, of course, we have kind of low body fat. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, it was freezing. And um, she she was like, well, next year we'll just both run it and we'll pour water over each other's heads the whole race <laughs> <laughs> to see because it was just such a interesting race. So I I ended up staying uh, on Sunday night. Everyone, my coach had said, oh, you can you know you can fly back if you want, and I was gonna fly back to California, but my dad and brother and aunt were all there and so I thought well what am I gonna do just sit at home by myself and they're not gonna change their whole flight so we just sort of it was kind of fun we just like went out to dinner that Sunday night when I usually would be sitting there nervous having my own pre-race or whatever but we just kind of got to celebrate each other's company uh and then I was there for the race uh the next day and well, I woke up super early, so Joni, Joan Benoit invited me to um, wish some of the Abbott runners off, mm-hmm. uh, which was cool. So I know I woke up at 5 a.m. the next day, um, and it, it felt nice to do that, just to sort of be there and just, I don't know, just support everyone still. But I, I tried to cross the street, like, from hotel to hotel, and I had a big puffer jacket on, two pairs of pants, and, and a beanie and stuff, and I was cold. So, And I was getting blown over by the wind. So I can't imagine being out there for two and a half hours. It's, I mean, you know, like, people that watch it on TV, I don't think they realize how bad it actually was yeah. there. Like, you had to be there. It, it was just crazy. Yeah, it was <laughs> disgusting. I was spectating on Boylston, and I was like... Um, I didn't realize how cold I was until after my husband went by because I was like so excited to see him, you know, and then after he went by, I was like, oh, my lips are blue and I'm like so cold just standing here. And yeah, yeah. And he was like, I can't even describe what that felt like to actually run in. Tell me this. What, why, why Chicago? Like why Chicago over New York? I know you've done Chicago before, um, but why did you decide on that, that race? Yeah, it's tough. Um, last year, the decision between Chicago and New York was super tough for me. And then I kind of, I, I liked the idea, kind of going into this year, I was just focused on Boston. But in the back of my mind, I was pretty sure I wanted to do Chicago again, just because I think like, looking towards 2020, it's important to have um it, it's important to see if you're progressing. And that's one of the things with the marathon is that say I would have run Boston this year, I wouldn't really get a good idea of if I was actually in better shape. I mean, yeah, you win the race, so you, or you win, or like, you you know, you can go by place or whatnot, but given the weather conditions, I don't even think that anyone really knew 
it's not like a good judge of, okay, this year I'm fitter than last year. (laughs) So I think Chicago, and again, like with New York and it's a hilly course, it could be more tactical. So I think with Chicago, it'll be kind of a good, good test to see, okay, yeah, did I get faster this year? Um, Am I happy with how my buildup is going and everything that I'm doing so that I can make sure I am making progress? Because last year is hard to say. I mean, I ran really fast in Boston and I ran fast in Chicago, but I'm not, I'm pretty confident I was more fit for Chicago, but it's, it's hard to compare if that makes sense. Cause all the courses are so different. Yeah. The weather can be different. So hopefully Chicago, the weather can be pretty consistent and I know it's going to be a fast, fast course, fast race. The women always tend to go for it. So I can really get a sense of, yeah, okay. I can go after that American record and see it or get as close to it as I can try to PR. And so I think that's a good, um, important thing as I'm looking towards 2020 to make sure that I'm just progressing. Yeah. So for people listening, if you don't know Jordan, she, uh, debuted the marathon in 2017 in 223, which is, um, the fastest debut by by three minutes. That's crazy. So did that race Thanks. <laughs> Did that race confirm in your mind like okay, yeah, I'm a marathoner. Like this is what I mean cuz you're young, you know, you jumped into the marathoning thing relatively young. So did that confirm your your choice to move up in distance? Yes, I just feel super blessed cuz uh, I, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. I started running because I was beating all the boys in PE class when I was 12. And then I had a lot of success in high school, winning a lot of national championships in college, all Americans. And so a lot of times when you have that young success, you don't necessarily make it on the professional level. And my first couple of years on the track, I, I was qualifying. I made it to the trials and stuff, but just not not winning uh the the national championships or even making national teams which I you know I want to be making Olympic teams and national teams so that was kind of upsetting so we decided yeah I'm pretty young but just gonna give the longer stuff a try and uh thankfully it it seems to be kind of my gift and and what I love doing too I just love (laughs) I just love running I just love the the marathon I like standing on the start line I've said this before but I just had such a good sense of calm in Boston and same thing with Chicago I just I look forward to the race whereas in track I would get so anxious and just get nervous about the start well first of all the marathon start is so like (laughs) low-key I relax it's not like you have to get off the line which I absolutely love and I just see it kind of as a and so much preparation goes into it and it's so individual and you're out there with everyone that has done so much preparation, not just the elites, but just your average runner running for a charity or whatever they want to do. And so I just think that is really inspiring. And when I'm towing the line, I just think of all the people standing behind me and, and we're all kind of setting our own goals, setting our own pace. And it's almost like a, an adventure. It's a, it's just, you just go that's how I felt in Boston I just thought you know I'm just gonna run you just go run it's not really it's not really a science like and you know in the marathon that there's going to be ups and downs in the race and I think that helps me is that when I would do a mile on the track or a two mile I try to have everything be perfect for those four and a half minutes but obviously in two and a half hours you can't have perfect two and a half hours so you sort of see it I kind of embrace those challenges that you're going to face in those two and a half hours. And I like that about the marathon. I just, um, just something, yeah, just something about it. I like the training. I've always liked to run a lot. (laughs) So, uh, and I've been pretty injury free. Uh, this was my first kind of big injury. So I think it just all suits me pretty well, which I'm thankful for. Yeah, well, so yeah, you talk about that, like what you can do in the two and a half hours. And um, I think it was Chicago when you ran the 220.57. In a poster's interview, you kind of talked about how you went out 
harder and a little bit more fierce than you had originally planned because that's what the lead pack was doing and you were like I'm gonna go for this like I'm gonna go for it today (laughs) yeah so how did you do that like I mean did that make you nervous to think this is a little bit faster than my comfort zone but like I want to win or I want to get the podium yeah um part of I think part of the marathon is that it's such a again yeah such a long distance that you have to embrace the ups and downs but then also you only get to race it so many times a year and you've got this huge taper and preparation for it and it kind of is a lot of pressure because uh you want to do well on that one day which I also really like I tend to do I always tended to race well, like at national championships and bigger events rather than just the low key races. (laughs) I I don't know what it is. It just, uh, maybe it's the adrenaline or, or just the, the hype surrounding it. I'm not sure, but yeah, in Chicago, um, we had said, I think Debaba is going to go out to 18 to 19. Don't go with her. Just run with that second pack. Uh, but then what happened is there was really no second pack besides uh, sort of that 226 group, which would have been too slow for me. And I I didn't really want to – I think part of it is that you – I run better if I still am in contention for the win and competing. So it would have been hard to run for two and a half hours by myself with men knowing that I was out of the picture, so to speak. So I just thought – you know what? I feel pretty good. I'm just going to try to relax into this. It's, it's a lot easier running with women and drafting. Uh, so I just sort of went with it a couple, <laughs> a couple of times. I'm looking up at the pace clock and it <laughs> says what the projected time is. And, um, yeah, my mom and I, we I like the, we used to watch the movie Christmas vacation all the time. I don't know if you've seen yeah. it, but there's this part when it's like those those crazy neighbors Todd and Margo and he always he goes like I don't know Margo <laughs> so when I when I'm looking at the pace clock I was just like uh, can I sustain this so that I know <laughs> that my mom would have said I don't know Margo oh. but I always say that in workouts too and I'm like is this impossible I don't know Margo just just do it <laughs> just try that. so yeah just like little mantras like that I mean I have a ton of those but that's what I was thinking mainly and then I was just picturing my coach and sports psychologist too watching the TV like in shock and thinking all oh, this is going to end badly but <laughs> I also I think part of it is that you have to have oh this is one of your questions later but I read this book um about it's about the seals extreme or written by a seal called extreme ownership oh, so yeah. I tell myself okay yeah like if you're going to do this like you're not going to feel sorry for yourself the second half you got to own it and you got to when you die it wasn't it wasn't a question of like am i going to die it's like when i get, when i die i'm going to re-relax though and i'm going to run and i'm going to still try to get the american record here or get as close you know run as fast as i can i'm not going to have a pity party because i chose to go out too fast and then just uh i you know ruin it so uh, that did happen about halfway through. <laughs> it just got too hot for me. And uh, again, I was really proud though because I was in fifth at that point. Debaba kind of made a move. She did. It wasn't like a huge move, but she picked it up like I'd say ten seconds that mile. And a couple of girls went with her, and I was in fifth. And uh, I told myself, okay, just just stay relaxed. Like you know that some of them are going to come back to you. And sure enough. Um, well, I think two of them ended up dropping out, but I did pass them before they dropped out. So um, I just kept my eyes ahead, kept focus on my own rhythm. And what helps is that I do a lot of the marathon stuff by myself. So I really, mm. I know that rhythm. So I just pretended I was out on a long run and just <laughs> just tried to stick to that. And, and so then I stuck to, stuck to 530s for a while. But then I ended up closing back to closer to 520s. So I was really proud that uh, I was able to kind of recover and just just it's still not the best way to run. But I think mentally it was it was the best way, if that makes sense. I want to jump in real quick and thank a sponsor for this podcast episode, and that is Casper Mattresses. 
Podcast listeners are invited to take advantage of Casper's competitive limited time 4th of July offer. Casper is the place to shop for 4th of July mattress savings this year. They sell directly to you, eliminating added costs and saving you money. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial and returns are hassle-free if you're not completely satisfied. Choose the internet's favorite mattress this 4th of July. Casper has three mattress lines to choose from, the original Casper, the innovative wave, and the essential. The breathable design of each mattress helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. For a limited time, visit casper.com savings and save up to $225 off your order. Limited time only. This special offer expires July 9th, 2018. Terms and conditions apply. So I repeat, for a limited time, visit casper.com savings and save up to $225 off your order. This special offer expires July 9th, 2018. Make sure you go check it out. Thanks, Casper, for supporting this episode of the podcast. And thank you, listeners, for supporting sponsors of the show. All right, let's go ahead and continue my conversation with Jordan Hesse. Do you train with anybody? Do you, why do you do all the runs by yourself? Uh, yeah, well, we don't really have a large women's group right now. Yeah. So we used to have, when I first joined, we had Tara Erdman and Trinira Moser and Shannon Roberry. Uh, Trainer just had a baby. Shannon's gonna have a baby any day, <laughs> so they're sort of out right now. And then um, we have Safan, Hassan, but she's more of a 1500 5K. So we've just been on different schedules. I, I train with her a little bit, oh, or I'm just you know I'm out there with her, <laughs> running a lot slower. <laughs> so we're not necessarily compatible partners. And then I have some. Uh, um, they, they've been with Nike for a long time, the Bauman brothers that will come out and pace me and are just good energy. So sometimes male pacers. But when I was doing, when I was running on the track, I, I tended to have male pacers a lot. And you sort of get into this reliance on pacers and yeah. and not knowing, not knowing your own body. So with the marathon stuff, it's just been kind of nice to like grind out those long runs by myself and yeah, towing the line in Boston, of course, it being my debut, if they were going to go at 220, 221, I wasn't going to go with the pack. I was going to run uh, that race. I wouldn't have. Yeah, I would have gone my own pace. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have. Because I wanted my first marathon to be a positive experience. I felt like Chicago could be a bit more risky. Uh, so uh, luckily, they ended up going slower so I could run with the pack. But I think just knowing kind of my own pace has been super helpful yeah and you I listened to you on Carrie Tolson's podcast and you talked about when you finished Boston not that you didn't lay it all out there but you finished kind of knowing like I definitely have more to give and there's definitely more in me in this marathoning thing so that had to be a good feeling and it had to really like transfer your into your training for Chicago last year yeah it really did like it thanks it gave me a ton of confidence just to be able to nail the long runs and then get get excited about about the just all the mileage and and the workouts and uh i think that especially after having chicago go well too now i have it because i was a little bit nervous for chicago because you never know boston could have been like a one-off sort of thing but now having done and even even though I didn't run Boston this year just having a really good build-up and um and going through that build-up I think it was still my best build-up out of all the three uh which was a bummer but again you still learn from having going through the whole build-up which I'm I'm kind of glad for that I didn't get injured in the middle of it so I still actually even went through the whole taper and actually felt pretty fresh on the taper and experimented with different things. So, um, still good to learn from that. I think it's just, yeah, just still, still kind of learning the, the distance. Uh, it'll only be my, my third one now. So we're getting close to having, it's crazy to think that I don't have that many to go till the, uh, Olympic trials, which yes. is kind of the, the longer term, uh, goal. Yeah. Okay. So you, when you were still, you know, doing the track thing more so you missed making the 2016 team and 
you kind of, I, it was an outside article, outside magazine article, and you said you sat down with Alberto and your sports psychologist and kind of said, like, it, are, is this done? Like, should we, I not be coached by you anymore? And you decided, like, if you're going to continue on, that 26.2 was the way to do it. What, what made that decision for you? And, like, why would you have moved on? And would you have moved on because you just thought a different coaching style would have worked? Yeah, um, again, just kind of, uh, as I was saying earlier, I want to be able to make national teams. And I finished, I think, 13th at the trials. Uh, so I wasn't really near making the team. And so we said, yeah, it was the outside article kind of made it seem more dramatic than uh, it really was. Okay. We, were, we were laughing about it, my sports psychologist. <laughs> but it was more of like a mutual, like, uh-huh. Yeah, like, I want to help you, but maybe a better program would sure. be, or a different program, because people change coaches all the time. I'm actually, Galen and I, I think, are the longest with Alberto right now. Oh, and Matthew, but, I mean, it, people move around just because whatnot. I mean, not even just because of um, they're not performing well, but they, you know, have lifestyle changes or, you know, meet someone, whatever. Uh, so we just thought, yeah, I mean, if it's not working out, then I still, he wants, Alberto wants me to be successful. So he said, I would love to keep coaching you. It's nothing personal, but we just, yeah, we got to figure this out. I don't want you to be unhappy because you're not performing well. So uh, then we just, yeah, we just upped the mileage though. And I ended up racing the 10 mile championship that October and won that, which was super exciting um, cause we said, okay, he said, I don't really want to put you in a half marathon until you can master maybe a 10 miler. So that, that whole race, I'm just thinking, okay, just do well so that <laughs> you can run a half marathon. And, uh, yeah, thankfully it just seemed that, that it, it was my thing. Is that tough when like you do an interview and then you're like, Ugh, they're totally going to misconstrue what I'm saying, here. <laughs> like what the actual situation was? Yeah, well, that magazine was funny because it was the first time that I had gone through all this fact checking stuff. Sure. And they had to, they obviously can't just, it would be nice. I just wanted to say, can you just read the article to me? Because that would be way easier uh-huh. than just asking me 50 questions about, does it sound plausible that so-and-so <sighs> said Oh, something gosh. to the gist of the, they can't even tell you the direct oh, quote <laughs> so it was kind of frustrating to me I had to take so many deep breaths during that fact checking thing nothing against outside they right. it was yeah. awesome awesome to do it was an awesome it yeah, it's a good publication. A great, yeah yeah a great story I was honored to be in there but it was just um yeah the first time that I had to go through all that stuff and then that was I mean I did I did kind of say that I don't even remember what the exact quote was, but I, I remember saying that to her in the interview, but it just, the context around some things and it ends up being different, you know, when yes. you take like one quote out of a whole conversation. So anyways, yeah, you can make something sound way different than it actually is when you write it and you put whatever yeah. you put in front of it or behind it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, so since we're talking about it, though, like, how do you deal with that? Like the stigma with Alberto and all the drama that people talk about, like you're always left out of it. But like, how do you stay positive? And I know you guys have a really special relationship. Yeah, it's super tough. Uh, He's like a second dad to me and has just been so supportive of my career and is just a great person. And so it's really hard uh, when people leave me out of it and to and say oh I support you but I don't support mm-hmm. your coach and it's mm-hmm. kind of well okay well kind of pick your yeah. <laughs> pick your poison there though because if you don't support him then you don't not that I don't want you to support me right. but um then it's just kind of uh it's a tough situation there uh and he has obviously said um, or explained anything that I want to explain, but I have 100% confidence and trust in him, obviously. So I've never um, questioned anything. And obviously, if I saw any anything, I would just leave. Yeah. I'm, I, I would rather not do the sport than cheat. I'm very... Um, outspoken about I I I mean I kind of keep to myself about that stuff I it's tough because I feel like if you're on the outside 
it's very easy to sort of jump on the band bandwagon, so to speak, about that, like on Twitter, sure. social media, and whatnot. So I try not to judge people that just because um, again, yeah, there is an investigation, so they can um, call out our group, so to speak. But it's tough when people just name names and and things like that when there's nothing that there's no proof. So. Uh, I think you just, you got to be really careful about that, but, um, but still support the clean sport. So it's, it's kind of, it's tough, but, um, I think that it'll all come out, uh, hopefully that they're, they're going to release, um, the results of the investigation pretty soon. So, um, it'd just be not, you know, nice for it to get out there, get resolved. Yeah. <laughs> it's been such a long time. So, uh, yeah. but but yeah, he's just been, he's just been great. And he's, uh, he's very strong in his faith and, and it's been super tough for him, uh, and tough for our group. Cause it takes away from him coaching us obviously, and kind of detracts from that. So, um, I'm just thankful though, that he's, uh, yeah, just been strong in his faith, strong in his family and got through it and, um, is just in a really good place right now. Well, and you mentioned before, too, that your faith and his faith, and, and Galen talks about his faith as well, um, plays a really important role in your life. And um, I have some listeners. Melissa, she's uh, part of my Facebook group, and she wanted to ask you, um, she says that faith's a big reason why she runs, and she wants to know how it influences you in your running. Yeah, that's that's neat. Um it, it just that uh, Melissa <laughs> asked that. Uh, thanks for the question, Melissa. Um, but yeah, I, I just see it. I've always just kind of seen it as my gift. And uh, I was, yeah, raised Catholic and uh, sort of liked that movie, uh, Chariots of Fire, where he's just feels like he was born to run. And so anytime that I've been discouraged and whatnot, I just sort of push through that because. Um, feel like that that's what God has given me and he just wants me to do my best it doesn't matter it, how successful I am uh win or lose but uh that gives me just a really good perspective on things and at the end of the day it's just putting one foot in front of the other so you can't get too serious about it but he God does expect us to do our best <laughs> not to give up so that helps me to keep everything in perspective, I guess. Well, and, uh, I heard an interview where Alberto was talking about mental toughness and that it's so important not to just focus on the physical t toughness and coping with doubts and racing and accepting that and then confronting them. So like, what do you do with him and your sports psychologist? And, and, and you know, you talk about journaling and things like that. Like, what do you do personally to conquer that, uh, the mental side of things? Yeah, um, it's that has been a huge kind of game changer since I joined the Oregon Project is uh, the addition of our sports psychologist. And we do a lot of stuff before workouts where we write out the, um, you've probably heard of them before, like key KPIs or key performance indicators, which are goals for the workout that are more really more process driven than outcome. So we always say that one plus two equals three and focus on your one plus twos and threes just going to come. So I really, I'll write down goals. Like I want to work on <laughs> keeping my elbows in. And so the whole interval interval, you're just working on that. And then you end up running faster for that interval. And that's the goal is uh, it, obviously there's still the outcome goal of you want to run faster, but when you focus on the process, uh, that, that really helps. So that's, that's been, that's been huge. Um, and yeah, I mean, I do, I've gotten, I had issues with anxiety and nerves before races, but again, Alberto just says, you gotta, you gotta just take small steps, focus on it one day at a time and slowly it gets better and better. And one day it goes away and I don't think nerves ever go away, but <laughs> just in terms of, again, just focusing on the process and putting the work and, that's, um, I think that's why I've been so successful in both my marathons is that I've just been so confident in my preparation that I know, okay, I'm going to just go out there, run as fast as I can for two and a half hours. And I'm not really sure what it's going to be, but 
I've done enough long runs and I've done enough work that it's not, it, it's not going to be bad. Like it, it might not be a home run today, but I'm just going to do the best that I can and, and trust that I, my coach prepared me the best I could and that I, I'm just going to stay as calm as I can. And when, when I feel pain, I'm going to think of those times in workouts when it was really hard, but I, I just pushed through and I stayed calm, focused on my breathing, things like that. So I think it's all about just, it's about the days before the race, not when you're actually towing the line. (laughs) Yeah. You can't just decide that the morning of the race. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to be calm. I'm going to focus on my breathing. (laughs) Cause what, like I really learned that when it does get really, really hard, you're going to default to whatever you've told yourself in training. So even if you're, even if you're having a hard day in training, you want to, you don't want to suddenly tell yourself, ah, oh, man, I, I'm struggling here. I'm feeling terrible. Uh, obviously some days, yeah, you're just not going to feel good, but you got to focus on whatever you can, like those little things that, okay, I might not feel good today, but I'm going to be as close as I can to the pace that I want to hit. And I'm going to focus on something else like my, my form. And then even in the last part of the marathon, when it gets painful, you can go back to that. If you're, instead of thinking about the pain, you think about your form. So just little stuff like that, I think can be really helpful. So your, your sights are set on 2020, the trials and the marathon. Yes. And beyond the trials, you fully intend on making the team or wanting to make the team. Are you also having your sights set on meddling once you get there? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I think that uh, U.S. Women's Marathon running is so great right now that you can't take for granted making a team. And again, I've never made a team before, so it would be huge for me just to make the team. But yeah, I'm going to be really focused on doing something hopefully at the Olympics, um, if I, if I make that team. Does it make you nervous or does it make you excited to see so many competitive, highly competitive women that will be at the trials? No, I'm so excited. It's really nice actually, because (laughs) we all have to have separate marathons and I was bummed not to be able to be in Boston. So I kind of am like, everyone come to Chicago now because I want to race you. (laughs) And even, uh, you know, we've got such great athletes that I think, I I don't know if Shalane's going to continue on to 2020, but I really had wanted to race her in the marathon. So it was funny after Boston, my dad was talking to her and he's saying, come to Chicago, please. (laughs) We we want to see you guys race Uh, just because I think it'd be fun. I mean, I've looked up to her for so long. Uh, So I think it's going to be super fun to just have everyone in the same race Um, and just Americans because, yeah, we're getting those international uh, women in there in the majors. Uh, but, but what's cool about it is that we're so good that if you make the team, you really do have a good shot at meddling. You know, it's not just like, okay, we make the team. We're happy to be at the Olympics. No, like whoever makes that team, it's your duty to kind of go get a medal. I felt like (laughs) in Boston this year, even though I didn't race, it was again, like the Americans, we felt like, any of us, we just all wanted one of us to win. It didn't really matter who it was. It was like a sort of a duty to just go get that done, which is, it's super cool that Des got to, got to do that. So, um, yeah, it's just, I'm honored to be part of such an exciting time. Yeah. I'm so excited. I mean, we're all so excited to watch all of you girls. I say girls, we're excited for the men too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've recently started interviewing men on my show too, but like, it's just so hard to look away from the women's distance running because you guys are all so fierce and competitive and it's so fun. Thanks. Yeah. It's, it's been really cool. And I think that we, we've all been inspired. I I'm thankful that I, I know Joan Benoit really well, and then I got to meet Paula Ratcliffe. I know she's not American, but she's kind of kind of holds the world record. (laughs) Yeah, kind of kind of a big deal in marathon running. But they're just all like the olders, older. They're not old, but um, more experienced of us are just so supportive of our careers, and so I think that's really uh, inspiring. And it's like helpful that they're still involved in the sport. And just looking out for us. 
Yeah, you got to talk with Paula and Dina and Joan after Chicago. Like, weren't you? Didn't you get to talk to all three of them at once? Yeah, I did. It was incredible. Well, <laughs> I was. I got to meet Paula for the first time at the press conference, and I was super nervous. I, I actually, I just like I was texting my best friend, and I'm like, I just went silent. I just, you know, <laughs> when you just choke up and you don't know what to say. So it was. Uh, yeah, she she's just so nice though, and. And then, yeah, um, Joan, I've known really well. I always try to go do her race in Maine Beach to Beacon. Oh, yeah. Um, so she's she's been super supportive even since my since I was on the track. So, um, yeah, it's just really great to have them. And um, hopefully they usually I, – I know Joan had a little bit of an injury, but she's still oh, <laughs> she's yeah. still wanting to break three hours in Chicago. So we'll see. <laughs> But she, like, just her spirit is so inspiring to me. Uh, I went, actually, I went for a run with her the first time at Nike Women's Half in San Francisco. We just had, like, an appearance sort of thing. And just the whole five-mile run, she keeps saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm slowing you down. (laughs) You're probably wanting to go faster. And then we had to add on, we got back to the hotel, and we had to add on a couple blocks around the like the loop just to get to the right thing in our Garmin (laughs) and I'm not really a Garmin person so I just thought it was funny oh she wanted to get her total mileage yeah she wanted we she's like oh we're at 4.75 let's just loop around yeah yeah so (laughs) it was just it was it was cool I was just like oh she's still so hardcore yes this is really awesome I'm I'm not as crazy as I as I think I am (laughs) you know it's nice to have other other people that are just in, as in love with the sport as I am. I got to meet her in uh, at the Donna Marathon in February, and we did this, like, everybody did this shakeout run, and I remember thinking, man, she's running really fast for, like, a three-mile shakeout <laughs> run. <laughs> yeah, she always thinks she's running slow, but then I'm actually like, no, Joni, this is a comfortable pace for me. This is good. <laughs> Well, I want to honor your mom because I feel like, you know, when you talk to someone who runs professionally and you have all these big, big running things to talk about, um, that's a huge part of your life. You lost your mom before Boston in 2017. And, you know, I've kind of watched my husband walk through this with his own mom in the past year. And so I feel like I can't have a conversation with you without bringing her up. So can you just tell us some of your favorite things about her? Thanks. Yeah, it's um, it's been tough. She was my very best friend, and we would talk every day. And she would, she came up to Oregon so many times. I think when I was in college, I had she drove up twelve times those <laughs> those four years. So she was just always always there. And it's funny because people say when I would be sad about it, they'd say, "Okay, well, tell me like what you guys used to do," or like just maybe you could do it spend a day like doing what you guys would do and I'm like well that kind of is what I do every day because <laughs> she yeah like she just she was the one that kind of got me into it because she would run her uh loop every morning and then I I was just running in PE class and and like I said beating the boys and so I said um as, as I got in more into it, I started to kind of just run alongside her. And, uh, and so that was just a special bond that we shared. And then of course we, I got faster and faster. So we would still, we'd start at the same time and then just pass each other on, on different spots on the loop. But, um, she was just, uh, you know, she was just such a happy and, um, always joyful person. So that's, I just try to, tell myself that I need to continue on and spread her joy and her love to the world because that's what she would want me to do and want my family to do. And I'm thankful that I've got my dad and my, my brother's two years younger, so they've been super supportive. And um, I've been, I kind of split time half and half between Portland and California. I'm actually, I'm in California right now. I came back for Father's Day. Oh, so. fun. Uh, we've always just been a super close family, so I think that has been helpful. Uh, and she had known, she had always called me Paula, 
which is why it was super special that I got to meet Aww. her in um, in Chicago. So I had we had known that I was going to move up to the marathon before she passed away. So it was actually it's just been really special because I remember those first couple long runs that I'd done in Oregon. Um, she had texted me, well done, Paula. And, uh, so that, the, again, when I talked about ma- mantras that I think in the race, I just kind of tell myself that I would go, get tired. But I'd say just like, keep on going, Paula, keep going. Uh, she run brave. She would always tell me to just be brave. And uh, so, so she has really just helped me. I mean, her spirit was really what inspired me and, um, and so that's, I, I think that the marathon, you know, as you know, it does get really tough. So you've got to have something deep down that really, um, is driving you. So, um, just her spirit and, and the thoughts of her, of, of what really propelled me through the finish in, in both my marathons, uh, Boston was especially emotional because it was really, it was only a couple months after she had passed away. So, uh, I just, I, you, you know, how you don't really plan what you're going to do when you cross the line. Yeah. So kind of looking back at it, I was a little bit like, wow, I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even think I was going to do that. But she was always like, again, so positive. And so during my buildup, it was tough because it was so recent from when she had passed. But I just think what she said, like, Jordan, you're, you're not allowed to, she always say, don't cry. You're going to waste energy <laughs> for your training. So a lot of times I, you know, I'd be upset. I, I, like, I let myself cry. I'd be like, mom, I deserve to cry today. Like, it's just really tough. But I, st- I mean, I still do that. But it was sort of crossing that line in Boston, uh, a release of all these emotions. And I had, um, in a way, like, bent up those it, it definitely helped me having that goal to, to shoot for, to kind of um, take away some of that pain early on. And again, I've, I've spoken about this before, but after Boston, you sort of get that back to reality. Okay, now, now what? <laughs> She's gone and I got to go back to my normal life. And yeah, uh, that's when I, that's when I started journaling and that, that has really helped. And, and um, it, just focusing on my faith has helped, but just yeah I, I it's been um humbling and uh it helped it, again it's a motivator to me I've met so many people that have lost loved ones that you realize it's not just you going yeah. through it like you said your husband so um that that really helps me to get through it too when people say okay I'm running for my mom or my dad or whoever has has passed away and knowing that okay life life goes on and and um you just want to keep going to honor them and that's um they're they're still I said this after the race she's still they're still always with you in in spirit well I love that she knew that you were going to be doing the marathon like I love that she knew that that's the direction you were taking yeah it was nice like she had written it on the calendar so when I when I had to decide between Chicago and New York last year, that was a little bit more difficult because yeah. she wasn't she wasn't there to be like which one. But yeah, uh, yeah it's um, it, it's just sometimes it's hard, and I get sad thinking about me. And I just wish she was was here to to see all this unfolding. But I know that she would be super proud. Um, no matter, no matter what. And again, uh, when I was trying to figure out ways to still get into Boston <laughs> after the, M- after the MRI, I could just see her and she was the main one saying, Jordan, don't be stupid here. Just, you gotta not, you gotta rest it. You gotta not race. So, uh, <laughs> she, she's always the one that is, uh, making the final decisions. <laughs> I love that. Uh, That's yeah. so great. How many weeks out from Chicago are we? Are we like 12? Uh, yeah, I think it was last week we had a meeting and it was about 13. So it's got to be maybe 12 now. And you're up to 70 miles. So you're feeling good. Yeah, I had yesterday I had a 15 mile long run. So I'm getting I was just proud that (laughs) again, it's just like the small wins. So not quite as far as as I would usually have, but still just like little steps. And I'm so thankful I haven't 
had any um, pain in in the foot. So that's the main thing. That's Just, uh, awesome. Yeah, building up slow. It seemed like it healed really well. Well, I'm going to ask you some end of the podcast questions that I ask everybody. Cool. What's one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Oh, this one, I'm not, I, I don't really know. I, I, I guess just professionally making an Olympic team would be a huge goal. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's like the main goal right now. Coming for you in 2020. Um, <laughs> what's one message you'd like to send to the world? I, I just want people to, um, follow their passion, just whatever, whatever it is. Um, you don't necessarily have to be the best at, at it, but just, I think that it's just when you're working really hard at whatever it is that you enjoy, then you can really find a sense of happiness, just focusing on your own process and the progress and, uh, you can have small wins in your, in your own way, no matter what. So, uh, that would be my main kind of advice. Just follow your passion. If you could have coffee or cocktail with someone fun, who would it be? Um, I am a huge Adele fan. Adele. So it would be Adele. Yeah, I got to go. Actually, my mom and I got to go to a concert right before she passed away. So that was super special. Oh, yeah. And uh, I just, I'm in love with her. Like I, I, my long run or a 10 mile tempo run at 510 pace is the length of her hello soundtrack really it's <laughs> on a on a treadmill so if i have a 10 mile tempo i just press play and then i just like i just listen the whole soundtrack and then i'm done i don't i put a towel over the like the mile marker thing even so. the slow songs that, don't, that doesn't bother you <laughs> No, I I like it. Well, actually, it's funny because when when I've been injured, I feel really bad saying this, but her songs are a little bit too slow for the spin bike. Sure, yeah. I had to switch to pink, but running wise, they've been good. They they're still good. So it's been nice to hop back on the treadmill and get my Adele songs back on. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. What what's the best most recent book you've read? Uh, I was saying that uh, earlier, Extreme Ownership. I just, I really liked that one. I like, a, I like the motivational books. Man, a I've had a lot of people recommend that book. I've got to read it. Yeah, it's. I, I would definitely recommend it. Okay, Jordan. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. And I know everybody listening is so excited to see what you're going to do uh, in Chicago this year. Thanks, Lindsay. It's been an honor to be on. I'm finally glad we glad we finally got to connect yes we've been trying to make this happen it's so great that we finally did all right thanks jordan thanks all right everybody thanks so much for tuning in today thanks jordan for coming on the show i loved talking to you you are simply the sweetest you guys don't forget to check out that offer from casper mattress Go to casper.com slash savings and save up to $225 off your order. For a limited time, the offer expires July 9th, 2018. Terms and conditions apply. Make sure you're following me on Instagram, guys. LindsayHine626. Twitter at LindsayHine. And join our Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. We also have a Facebook page where I do monthly interviews, live interviews with returning guests and people whose books we have chosen for the podcast. We've done an interview with Dina Castor. We did an interview with Becky Wade just last week. And I'm going to interview my sister, Erica Anderson, who wrote the book, Leaving Cloud Nine, which is the July book club choice. Now, I want to tell you guys that is a faith-based book. And it's about her husband's childhood and the trauma that he endured and how he has overcome that and his relationship now with his family and how his faith has really helped him overcome so many hard things in his life. I'll have a link to purchase that if you're interested in following along in the show notes. I'm so proud of my sister for becoming a published author. All right, guys, we've got some great episodes coming up. We've got Shadrach Biwat, Sarah True. We've got The Gardeners, who is this amazing couple that I know here from Indianapolis that I've looked up to for a really long time. Right now, they are riding their bikes from coast to coast, from the West Coast to the East Coast. So really excited to get all these episodes out to you. And 
I'm loading them up and recording them because guess what? My baby's coming in about five, six weeks. All right, guys. Thanks for listening today. Have a great Friday. Have a great weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.